welcome to Gamers Explain. This is Crawlock. On today's episode, I interviewed nine or 10 people and asked them the same question, which is, what is the best role-playing system for a play-by-post game? Well, nobody really answered that except for maybe one person, but we talked about role-playing and play-by-post, so maybe you'll find that interesting. Here we go. And now, Kalajel. Well, I guess my last question that I sent out was, um, what system itself do you think works best for you for role-playing on, on play-by-post? That's going to be a bit of a contradictory answer, but I would say Urban Shadows work very well for play-by-post. And the reason it's a contradictory answer is because uh, it requires sessions. Like I think the way the game is really meant to be played is you sit around with a bunch of friends around the table for like five or so hours and you play your session. Yeah. Because you have a start of session move and you have a hand of and you have an end of session move. But uh, it's mostly the start of session because Urban Shadows, it's one of those games where you have to unlearn a lot of things to play. If, if you come to Urban Shadows with the, the, the typical role-playing mentality, you're probably going to have a bit of a bad time. And that's maybe what happened with uh, Remnant's game lately, uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, and you don't come to Urban Shadow with a scenario for your players to play. This, at the start of the session move, the scenario is created. And just that alone, play by post is a really good medium to play Urban Shadows because you really have the time to look at all the, all the subplots your players have brought into the main storm. And you have, you have the time to think of what are the relationships between those subplots and how it all mesh together in the storm. And then when you're ready, you go, okay, we can start the game now. But when you're playing, and I tried it around the table, when you're doing this around the table, you have to mess all those subplots that your player brought up together. It's, you, you, you feel like you have this pressure on you because they're waiting for you to start the game now. But yeah. you have to like do, you have to create the scenario now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of those powerful things that played powered by the apocalypse games do is they give you this a toolkit to um, yep, get the players to make choices for you. But the hard part is incorporating that. And there's, um, I think some people are really good at it. And it's probably the case that play by post really gives you the time to, uh, to work that out and make it, make it fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's also amazing that uh, a lot of the time, uh, powered by Apocalypse game, basically uh, allows your player to participate in this world build building, the, uh, the creation of the world, the lore for uh, the, the, the world you're playing. Uh, for example, Urban Shadows, you have. Uh, one of the night faction archetypes is the vamp, the vampire. But nowhere in the book does it tell what happens to a vampire when he's exposed to uh, sunlight. 
that, that's for your players to come up with. Hmm. Yeah. Like, do they, take, do they take damage? Are they just mildly annoyed by it? Do they start listening? You know, that's up to your players. Yeah, that's great. Well, presenting Remnant. So you've uh, we've talked about Savage Worlds and um, Urban Shadows and Powered by the Apocalypse games. And do you think there's a system that works best for play by post in particular? Um, for your I stuff. think uh, anything that's a light system, uh, like anything where. It's been a while since I played Hackmaster, but there's so much back and forth for combat for Hackmaster. I think it would be more complicated, especially with the initiative system. Um, D&D, you roll your D20 per round, or you keep the initiative with like continuously, whichever way you pull it. It's, it's, a, it's an order that you know you're in. For Hackmaster, it goes combat starts. If both sides are surprised, you start at literally zero seconds. At one second, everybody that realizes they're in combat can start moving at a walk. Second two, everybody that was walking can be running. Um, or if they've just noticed now, <laughs> they can start moving. Hmm. And continuously, combat goes on second by second. If you hit something, there's a recoil before you can attack again with the weapon. Bigger weapons, bigger recoil times. Um, and if you attack something, there's a defense roll d20 off of your attack roll. So if you roll a d20 and you get a 20 on your attack, you automatically attack the next second again that quickly. Um, but defensively, if they block it or if they block and they get a d20, they can counterattack. So you can have just two people wailing back and forth in each other, countering 20s that they're rolling back to back against each other second after second. And meanwhile, everybody else is just doing everything else in combat. Um, that I think would probably be complicated run through a uh, play by post because combat slows down play by post like nobody's business. And if you have something where you're going second by second, that's, that's not play by post. <laughs> it, it, be, it would be like, you know, maybe day by day. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah um and i guess another one any any system like that's overly like overly complicated and grungy i think another one would be eclipse phase although it's pretty easy um to build a character and make a role once you put that on play by post you'll have like complicated situations because you're you, it's a system where you're thinking outside the box because if you need to go and like get some information out of like some office that's in a building and there's a bank right underneath it. Paying some people to rob the bank. So there's a distraction for when you rob the uh, data steal out of the other place in the same building. Uh, that's that's going to be complicated. I think to go ahead and roll and write out and role play. If, uh, if your game's, like, not really a lot of big, the dice come first and there's a lot more dialogue, what you say goes, 
I think uh, it'd be easier to play on uh, play by post. Yeah, I think with the crunchy systems too, is that if you've mastered the system, like games can be really complicated. If you have a lot of experience with them, and D&D is a good example, it's a pretty complicated game. I mean, rolling a D20 is easy, but knowing what to roll or why is, there's just a billion different circumstances. So people know D&D and they can play it on on, uh, play-by-post pretty easily, even though it's crunchy. Vampire is the same. There's just a lot of kind of um, twitchy little niche things that you got to do. I think uh, maybe if it's like a large group of people, like D&D, you have a group of five to six, four to six people. Cool. Now, if you you have 12 people, it's probably not a split it into two threads, <laughs> two different groups or something. 12 people all at once is going to be rough. Yeah. Even for a face-to-face group, it was it was rough. Yeah, like you might get two actions, right? Like the player, the GM goes, okay, now it's your turn. And then they take a few minutes to figure out what they want to do and they make some rules and they get some rules clarifications and it's an hour before it comes back to you, right? Well, no, it's more like GM has a situation and then it like pauses, what do you guys do? It's 12 people. Everybody's looking around at everybody else to get, I don't know, what's the, uh, what are you, no one's saying what they're going to do. They're just, everybody's looking at everybody else. (laughs) No, you go first. I want to see, I want to feel out the situation first and, you know, get my chakra right. And then I'll look at what we're doing in game. (laughs) So, so of the games you've played that are, what do you think works best then for the way you play? Um, I mean, it is kind of crunchy, but I think uh, Genesis and Star Wars are interesting just because of how it's not a binary result. It's, it's not just you pass or you fail. It's you can pass or you can pass with some success or some failure added on as a hindrance you can be you can have a very exceptional very good thing happen but something kind of bad happens or you can have something very horrific and critically successful happen at the same time yeah which you know again play by post gm's like i'm gonna think about this for a minute since you rolled three despairs and two triumphs yeah i think that's a good point is that um, one of the things I don't like about the idea of Genesis and Star Wars is um, it seems to offload an awful lot of problems onto the GM. But on play-by-post, you've got the time to figure it out. Like, you know, if I was at the table, I don't think I'd try a narrative ga- game system unless I'd already made a list of things that um, I could do for each scene that to, you know, and to, uh, to fill in these random partial successes and partial failures. Well, maybe that's just experience too. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if it's not like, why well, after you run that first game and whatever system, you're like, okay, well, what worked good for y'all? What worked good for me? I mean, just because like, oh, you were, you were in Urban Shadows just because the game didn't like go on anymore besides the first session and it kind of bombed. I still got something useful out of it. 
I mean, you guys probably saw some interesting things. Um, the old uh, lady that was like technically an oracle that smoked a lot of weed and sat on her front yard and with a shotgun in her lap, smoked weed and uh, you know drank all day. Very good job. Surprised no one asked, how do you have money? Powerball. <laughs> Powerball. That, you're an oracle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, scratch y'all. Scratch offs. I play the scratchies like nobody's business. No one does it better in this county. <laughs> oh, so you're cheating. Okay, well, that's you're a horrible person. <laughs> but I work for a demon. <laughs> so, yeah. Next up, Love Todd. At the end of the day, I'm not picky as long as everyone's on the same page about how to handle their roles. And personally, the less I have to roll, the better. The better. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm partial to my system because you guys are pretty reasonable and for the most part, the decisions are pretty straightforward. Um, I think it's been several pages since we've rolled any dice. <laughs> Um, but even then, like in that Star Wars game that I'm in, it's a little frustrating because I'm new to the system. So I have to pull up my big old cheat sheet. And I don't know if you've played the FFG system at all, but man, those dice are a new language. Um, but even in that game, there's an understanding that there's a little bit of player agency about the results and that helps with the pace. So as long as everybody's on the same page, I think you can make anything work. Um, but again, I don't like crunchy games on playbook. Yeah, no, that's my main answer is that if you really, if everybody really knows the system, crunchy works just fine. And you can do some great things on play by post. Oh, yeah. But if you have to learn it or if you're teaching it to somebody, that's just a layer. Be that's another layer of abstraction between you and the game that you have to you have to wade through. So, yeah. The the nice thing with this cheat sheet we have for the Star Wars is it gives you clear examples of difficulty ratings. So when I roll my dice, I can also roll the difficulty dice at the same time, which helps streamline that process. Because yes, I'm learning how to play this. But also, I can guess this is a level two difficulty, and that saves us some back and forth. So again, it's it's you gotta you, you, you gotta have either a better understanding or better communication outside the forum so that the forum can run smoothly. Yeah, those are the kinds of things that just work so easily at the table, right? The players grab their dice out of the here's my skill dice, my ability dice. Maybe I've got some uh, some force dice or something, yeah. and you're adding them in, and the DM's like, okay, and pushes two difficulty dice to you. So then you just right. grab it, you drop it. Yeah. That could be three days at the, on play by post. <laughs> it's it's it, it's communication, and, and that's what gaming is anyway, isn't it? It's it's collaborative storytelling. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Great. And now, Falconloft. Question for the day, and I appreciate that you've given me an hour and a half of your time. Uh, 
what role-playing game system works for you best for play by post gaming in particular? This is a question that I actually have to answer. <laughs> we'll leave it as an exercise to the viewer. Um, I guess. There is, uh, honestly, there's very, like, the more I play role-playing games, the less systems I actually like to use. Because what usually happens is I'll find pieces of certain things that I like, and then I'll roll them into the games I'm already playing. Uh, so, for instance, I don't do a lot of uh, Powered by the Apocalypse. I don't necessarily mind the system, but I also, it's not my favorite. But one of the things that I will almost always put in the games is like, you know, we were talking about earlier about the fronts. Well, I use that and I really appreciate that Apocalypse World and, and the other systems that, that were built off of it codified that because that's something that for years was always in the back of my mind, but I wasn't really focused on it as an actual thing to do. Whereas once they put it down in writing, it's like, oh yeah, this is obvious how this works. This is great. I'm going to use it more. Um, another thing that that Apocalypse World also did that wasn't really innovative as far as mechanics, but it was innovative because they wrote it down, was the fact that it um, they talk about how, um, I can't remember the exact phrase now, but the moves follow the fiction, right? So you shouldn't say, well, I'm going to make a tumble check to get past this person, right? You just say, I'm going to try to move past this person. Then if there is a move that is triggered by that, then it happens. And a lot of times when, when Apocalypse World first came out, everybody was like, well, that's so backwards from the way other RPGs work, but it shouldn't be. You know, the reason the rules are in the, are in those other systems are because they will sometimes need to be used. It's not because you have to use them every time. So, you know, technically, moving from the first floor to the second floor using a set of stairs should be a climbing check. DC would probably only be like a two, but it should be a climbing check because it's a 45 degree angle. It has handholds, it has footholds. That's calculable in D&D, but nobody's ever going to do that because it's stupid. Yeah. You know, the, it's, that would get in the way of the fiction where you can just say, I'm climbing this set of stairs. Uh, and so that's another thing that I'm, I'm glad they, they put in writing so people can at least be aware of the fact that that's the way that things work. Um, but as far as a favorite system, um, I think it's gonna be a long time before I move away from 13th age. Because um, I've, I've been able to use it in multiple different settings, every, everything from, um, it's default to uh, modern day to, to sci-fi, um, just at almost straight out of the box. Uh, but the things that I really enjoy about it, like I said, you can't really make a character that is just generic because one of the things that has to have is every character has one unique thing about them. So, and my internet connection is apparently unstable. So let me know if I'm not coming through good. Um, but, um, you know, you can't just have fighter number 45. You know, it, any, any character you create is going to be like, oh, well, this character looks exactly like the Emperor's son. Or um, this character is the second fastest runner uh, in the... In the uh, great wastes 
race or whatever it happens to be. There's going to be something. And that thing, no matter what you make it, that thing is going to be true in that world. So as soon as you say, well, my character looks just like the emperor's son. Well, suddenly there is suddenly the emperor has a son, which he doesn't by default, but suddenly he does for that game. And not only is it true, but it also has the potential to be important. So now if you know, if you're on the wrong side of the tracks and a couple Imperial Guards happen to see you, they may try to drag you back to the palace. <laughs> you know, so there, there's hooks that, that you can really get into there. And the other thing is the backgrounds. One of the things that always bugs me is when people will, when people would, especially in, in 3.5, would build a character and assign all their skill points out and have no backstory. So you have this, you have this, big burly guy who for some reason has 10 ranks in acrobatics that he's the size of a horse you know <laughs> like what what's the what's the reasoning behind this but with 13th age when you build a character you don't say well i have 10 ranks of acrobatics you might say something like um raised on the streets so you know you might have that in other words you might have those ac acrobatic skills because you were jumping over fences and running from the police or you might have um raised in a circus so you might have actually been trained as an acrobat but then you can take that same background and say well since i was trained in a circus between shows everybody had to help out and my thing to do between shows was to feed the animals so now i've got animal handling as well rolled into that same background and so the way that the skills come into the game is not just because they're there, but because it's something your character did. And when you use them, you have to say why they're relevant. You have to give a story about what, what your character did or what your character used to have to do to make these skills actually relevant in the current situation. And so it's, it's almost like a mini flashback whenever there's a skill check. Uh, so I, I really have a lot of fun running that. And if I can run a game in that, I will probably run a game in that as opposed to something else. So what has led you to um, look to something else for your noir idea? Well, the 13th Age is very cinematic. Um, the idea is that, you know, with almost all fantasy style things is that the characters who you're depicting are larger than life somehow. That's just kind of a staple of the of the genre. And that's kind of the opposite of what it is for noir. In noir, nobody's larger than life. Um, everybody is getting beaten down by something. Uh, and so that tonal change really just doesn't make 13th Age fit. I could probably make it work, but before I do that, I want to go out and see what else there is out there that, that might work as well. Because I, I know from personal experience that I can run just about any game in just about any system. But that doesn't mean it's going to be the best for it. And so, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here and my Doctor Who role-playing book is, is peeking out at me from my bookshelf. So I may actually have to go back through that and see if I can make it work for noir too. Uh, but you know the just because you can make something work doesn't necessarily mean it's the best fit so i'm i'm always open to going back and and revisiting stuff to see if it'll work yeah we talked earlier about 
the explosion of the open gaming license and the D20 system that Wizards of the Coast um, built in the early 2000s. And, and suddenly, because of the OGL, um, tons and tons and tons of other games started using D20 for all kinds of other things. Simply, they didn't have to test the system. They could just, well, we'll just use this D20 mechanic. But built into the D20 system was that intense power curve you get in a heroic game where you've been playing D&D for a long time and your level one character and your level 20 character, they don't operate in the same universe, right? You, you, they just, they have nothing in common that can be really a challenge to both of them. Just the, the 20th level character is just going to do everything the first level character can do 10 times better. And um, that's just not the right feel for a lot of games. A noir would be a good one for that, is that that mechanic, that intense escalation of abilities and the creep and the growth um, just is unrealistic for something that's more based on uh, modern games, modern modern day feels. Yeah, and and honestly, with with noir, like there is. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out what's making noise since I've got everything on my phone turned off. <laughs> um, but there, there is a. Uh, there's also a expect that in in anything that's d20 based that your character is going to do something important before it before it dies or or gets removed somehow you know you you have that chance and that's the other thing that noir really doesn't have is that there is no guarantee that the first time you run into trouble your story is not going to be over and so i've got to figure out i've got to figure out how to do that but still not have a player potentially sit there for half the game without a character because their character died off early. That, that's, that's another big challenge I'm going to have to figure out. Um, and I have found a game recently that passes the GM role around the table for each scene. And so I'm wondering if that might not be a good mechanic to use because that way, even if somebody is, their character is gone, they still have, a, they still have the potential to, to participate. Or maybe just have them run an NPC or two, you know, might might work as well. So there's there's a lot of considerations there before I get it off the drawing table, unfortunately. There is a new tool that I've just discovered the last couple of days because it just rolled out recently, where you can tag um, in Gamers Plane. You use a tag called NPC. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. So the tag is. NPC equals, and then in quotation marks, a name. And then it, the tag ends with slash NPC. But in between, you put a, an image, a link to an image somewhere on the internet. So then when you put that in your post, it, it uh, looks like you are that person. So it changes your avatar as if you had submitted a character sheet and you were, you've selected that character sheet. So that kind of thing might be really handy when... Um, a player is playing an NPC, you could just give them that link, then they can post as the NPC without managing like a whole bunch of character sheets. Yeah. The other thing that might make it a little, a little bit easier is that, you know, Noir is the exact opposite of open world. 
everything is is it's almost like it's claustrophobic in noir because there's there's only a there's only a specific number of locations in noir uh, one of the one of the better examples of that is probably Perry Mason, which is probably not something most people think of when they think of noir, but it is very much in that style. Where, the, if you think about it as the main the main protagonist being the client, because nothing is going the client's way at all, they have no control over it. The only way they get through it is with Perry Mason's help, right? So, but if you if you look at the scenes that they do there. There, there are, there's very rarely any traveling scenes. There is, there's the scene where the murder happens. And then there's the scene at the police station or the scene at Perry Mason's office. And there's a scene at the courthouse, but there's nothing in between. Everything's very, very tightly, uh, very tightly filmed. And there's not a lot of extra space in it. Um, and so one of the things I want to do is limit the number of locations that actually come up in the, in the game. So what I'm thinking is, is taking, having each player come up with a location that they want and then putting a person in place at that location that would kind of be like the, uh, you know, the kind of the shopkeeper in, in a video game type thing. You know, they're just there every time you go into the location. Um, and so um, if a player did end up losing their character early on, we would already have a set list of locations and a set list of NPCs, and I could just hand off an NPC to them whenever that happened. Um, and so that would that might be a, a good way to do it too. But my, one, of my, one of my favorite games is um, Feng Shui, or Feng Shui, if you if you want. And so it's a Hollywood cinematic action movie role playing game. And the idea is that they're trying to recreate. Um, top end action movies. So your characters are very not noir. You know, you you might be playing James Bond or you know the Terminator or um, a Jet Jet Li in some role or something like that. And but because of the focus on cinematics, they've got rules in the rule book like you never ever role play buying ammunition. Your characters just get more ammunition. Don't tell them to go, just don't do that. Don't, they don't go to the shop. There's, that's just wasted time, right? You're wasting everybody's time. They get the ammunition, done, move on. So it's like that idea with locations where, you know, don't get in a car and travel and make a drive check because, you know, it's New York and it's rush hour. Just, they leave, they show up, you know, next scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very very much the way noir usually works. And the other thing that the other the other thing that's almost always true is, like, even if they don't name the city in the in the movie, because a couple of them don't, nothing like the entire world outside the city just isn't there. You know, there's there you can't just leave the city if you have a problem. You can't just get in your car and drive away and never come back. <laughs> you know, you have to stay in the city until everything's solved. Um, so that's that's something else that I'm I'm gonna that I'm gonna try to try to stress is you know there. Yes, the rest of the world does technically exist, but you can't just leave and you you can't run away. That's not something that's that's not something that's allowed in the genre. So, uh, you know, if you have to you have to stay and fight it out. <laughs> Here's Harrigan. So I bet everybody has told you 
this is probably another one they've, they've refused to answer, or maybe they're all 5e runners. I don't know. I, I can't name one system, but I can name a few. I'll tell you that. Um, and for all the things we've talked about, that'll probably come up in the rest of your, rest of your videos that we talked about in the last video series, there are certain games that run better in play by post, in my opinion, than others, right? The ones that have fewer of those transactions, the ones that don't rely on battle maps, all that stuff that we've already talked about. So for me, games like the black hack and all of its, all of its offspring, because it's a unified mechanic, it's player facing roles. Uh, so the GM is not rolling, not rolling very many dice. A lot of, a lot of the action resolution is in the hands of the players. Um, I think Tales in the Loop and games like that run beautifully on, on play-by-post, uh, you know, because really what the games are about and the fact that there's no hit points you're tracking, there's just the character sheets are simple. Um, Into the Odd, which is um, the foundation for a number of games now, including the, um, the Dead Are Coming, which is the zombie game that I'm running, which is basically you have three saving throws that you can roll, you have hit points and you have some resources and that's about it. So any of those simpler games that'll, that lean into the role play and lean into the scene setting and the what is your character doing, just describe it. They work really well for me. Lasers and Feelings works that way and all those all those offshoot games as well where you basically, you're good at this or that or some, you're somewhere in between. And basically the dice, the dice just give you a mechanic to go left or right to make decisions to, to introduce um, tragedy or um, complexity or you know, anything like that excitement into the game just with a dice roll, as opposed to having a bunch of big mechanics you're engaging with to accomplish something. It's why I veer a little, as much as I, like, I love Forbidden Lands as a game. When I look at it and play a post, I'm like, mm, I think I'll try it, but I'm not gonna try it right away. Uh, let me think about it. Cause I think there are simpler ways to accomplish the same things with fewer mechanics that are friendlier to, to play by post. N narrative systems in general, I just love in play by post, whether it's fate, uh, power by the apocalypse to a degree i don't tend to love traditional power by the apocalypse games that have a long list of moves that you have to understand and get your head around just because i just i've just never grokked it and it doesn't fit with my style of play but generally speaking games that let you go go crazy with the narration and just play um you know are the ones that i that i tr attract me the most um and then the last thing i would say is games that don't require a lot of back and forth the transaction part of it on initiative action resolution setting challenge ratings. I mean, that's the deadly stuff. If it's an inexperienced GM who's like, you need to make a challenge rating and then they don't state what the challenge rating is. And then the, the players come back and say, what's the challenge rating? And he says, 15. They say, okay, I rolled. I got a 14, but now I want to, you know, and on and on from there, right? So I just try to avoid all those sort of complex mechanics like that. But if you had me name them, I would say sort of the year zero engine games like Tales from the Loop are pretty good, the simpler ones. Um, the Black Hack stuff, and the, Into the Odd. Those are my favorites. What, what about for you? Well, um, something you spoke about earlier is being able to reduce a character down to a, an, an NPC, a challenge down to a single statistic. Totally. And for, me, and for me, the cipher system just nails that. You can just say the creature is a difficulty too. That tells you yep. everything you need to know to run a, to run a game. It tells the players what what their tar challenge rating is on their rolls. It tells you know, how many hit points they have, how much damage they do if they fail a defense check and what the target of the defense check is, it's just, then you can yep. modify it. They can be a little more complex than that. But um, where, I, where I think the Cypher system falls apart is that a lot of the options in it aren't internally consistent with each other. Like um, you can create a character that grows to towering heights and another character who like solves murders. These aren't the same game, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And, uh, and, and so you end up with kind of having to narrow down a huge amounts of choices down to, there's, you know, a handful that really work together in, a, in whatever setting you're going for. I've run, I've used, um, I've used it for Wild West games with a lot mm -hmm. of success. No, really? Cool. Yeah. Cool. I, when I looked at, I don't have Cypher, but I have um, Numenera, which is the kind of the, the, the guts of it, right? And uh, I really like the part you just described, the kind of the, all the player facing stuff, the, the, the fact that the GM can create challenges so quickly and so easily. And that's, we, were we talked about that a little bit before. That's absolutely, all the games I just mentioned, Black Hack, Tales from the Loop, Into the Odd, they all have the same thing where it's very simple to come up with challenges, usually a number, right? And then you're off and running. And then you can add two or three abilities if you want to, just to kind of spice things up, but you're, there's no big stat block. But where I tripped on Numenera, I arrived at that game with the wrong expectation in my mind because um, it has that very cool, I am an X who, how does it go? I am an X who Y's and Z's or something like that, the way you describe the character at the front. Yeah. Yep. I, I forget the exact, I thought. I'm an I'm a adjective noun who verbs. That's it, that's it. So I thought the adjective, the noun and the verb were all free form and I could do whatever I wanted. So I was like, sweet, this is like fate, let me <laughs> add it. And I got to the book and I'm like, what the hell? I have to pick. And they're all very like super defined in terms of what they do. So that turned me right off of the game, unfortunately. I bet if I came back to it cold or if I came back to the, the generic version of it, maybe I could, I could see more that, that, I, that, I, that interested me. But I just had this thing where I was expecting to be able to just kind of go wild west, you know, or, or, or wild and woolly and freeform with it. And you can't do that in the same way you can with something like fate. Well, you, you could in the same way that you could just create your own adjectives, nouns, and verbs, but it's a lot of work. So. Well, because they all, they all have specific like things that they do right in the game. And I didn't want them to have specific things that they did. I wanted them to affect things in a general way. So if I can invoke the adjective, I get a plus two. If yeah. I can, if I can have the verb make my life complex, I get some, some benefit somehow. Right. That, that, that's, that's where I was headed. Um, but I, like you, that this, you know, time, I actually think the, and I've heard people bad mouth it on, on gamers planes. So I think they had some bad experiences. The tiny dungeon games work, I think really well in, in play by post, just because they're very simple. Um, they allow for pretty good character, uh, differentiation for people who want to have a, a different build as opposed to an OSR game, you know, where you, you don't have a lot of differentiation stat wise necessarily. The tiny dungeon games are pretty good for that. And just the mechanics are super simple. It's basically a pass fail on, you know, that dice pool type of thing. I don't know. I, I like to keep it simple, but I don't have any single game. Are most people answering they have one game they like to run? No, no, no. <laughs> Didn't think so. Didn't think so. Well, and if you only ever played for one tour, one experience, like if you were just looking for the the complicated teenager is trying to survive high school game, you'd probably just say Tales from the Loop or something, yeah. or you might have a very specific answer. But if you're like a lot of gamers, not all, but a lot of gamers are looking for a wide variety of experiences and you can't find, there are no universal systems, just period. The, because the systems have a different play tone, the mechanics inform a tone. And yep. so you, you can play, fifth edition or AD and D and use that to play any, absolutely any kind of system you want. You can, you could set that in, you know, a hyperbolic world full of where everybody's just a bubble. 
<clears throat> sure. Okay. A lot of work, but yeah. Why would you use that particular system, right? There's better systems that match the bubble universe. Yeah. System, I'm a firm believer that system matters. Um, what you're talking about now is a whole separate topic for a different video, probably, because there's just a lot to that. I mean, there's there's games that get close, I think, generically close, like um, Year Zero Engine Mini, like Fate, like Savage Worlds, like GURPS, but they all bring all this baggage with them of one kind or another, you know? Both Fate and Savage Worlds are pretty pulpy when you get right down to it. They're built They're built for high-octane action and yeah. not for gritty, gritty play. That, you can modify them, absolutely, but you can also play a game that was built to be gritty, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. System matters, for sure. Yeah, so I think in the, the purpose of the question of what role-playing system works best for play-by-post for you is a conversation rather than a single answer. So... So you just had it hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. It depends on what you're playing and all, all the rest. Right. Yeah. But yeah. you know, there's, there's a, there are answers, right. For example, like if you were to run, um, if you were to run a black hat game, you would be thinking about a very specific experience you wanted from play by post. And well, take, yeah. you could sort of interrupt you. You could break it down and say, if you want to run uh, adventure fantasy, medieval style um, dungeon crawling, right? Osric is very different than 5e, than the Black Hack, than Knave. They, yeah. you know, Knave and Black Hack are pretty close in terms of how light they are, but those are four systems all trying to do the same thing. They really, they really are. But man, they're, they play differently and they play very differently, I think, in the play-by-post format. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I guess that could be a much longer question is like, what's the best... What's your favorite or go-to play-by-post system for high-octane superheroes? <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, break it all down. But anyway, yep. I think the conversation is important is that um, the idea is that mechanics matter, particularly in play-by-post, particularly in live gaming. But if we're looking at play-by-post, um, what systems have less of the things that get in the way? And... Yeah. Well, you know, uh, on that note, something to look for as well. Some games do have many more complicated mechanics on the player side, right? And if you have a whole bunch of people who are new to the game in play-by-post, that's brutal. Where they're brand brand new, they don't know how to play the game. The GM can't do the heavy lifting that we've talked about in like Twilight 2000 because it's all on the player side. So now you are beholden to the fact that you have these three, four, five people who better know the rule book. (laughs) Otherwise, you're going pretty slow, right? So just yeah. be aware, be aware of that kind of thing. And you know what? Simbroom had a little bit of that, didn't it? You and I talked about it before, where the way that corruption works, the way that spellcasting works is kind of buried in the books. So you got to be on top of it yeah. and kind of be aware that that uh, that can slow the whole game down because it's just not all that clear as to who's supposed to do what and who's tracking what. I, last, last point on that. I began quite a while ago generally tracking resources, hit points, et cetera, for the entire table, just because I found it easier than trying to go to an individual character sheet and did they remember to update it and all that sort of stuff. So I usually have a post either in a different thread or at the top of the, at the top of the forum that says, here's your, you know, here's your current stat line. If it's a simple game. Yeah. I started doing that. Um, somebody posted a, um, what's the term CSS kind of hack where it puts up a spoiler box that kind of floats at the top corner. I've been experimenting with that too. Yeah. Yeah. Click that. I've got in my Pathfinder game, I've got the map, I've got the players, their hit points, cool. armor class, their, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, 
theoretically, I would update initiative order as well, but I play fast and loose with initiative, so it doesn't matter. <clears throat> I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if, if the devs can make that a little easier to use than not have to have the CSS on every page the way that you do, that is a groundbreaking feature. That is a very cool feature. Now, Adam has, integrate, has created this new snippet feature, which I think might do a bunch of that, where the GM can have this master list that you've, you've, you've kept, and then just the drop-down box in your post, pop that table in. So it's so you've you're keeping this track, keeping track of this somewhere, but adding it to a post when you need it is would just be very easy. I will admit there have been a, a whole bunch of awesome new changes to the site, and that's one of the ones I haven't dove into yet. Yeah, I was talking with um, another user and basically saying like this is the kind of thing I really wish I was on top of and wasn't writing novel in the month of November because <laughs> then because then I would just like get into it figure it out, pop a video up here. Yeah. And then, you know, because there's a lot of back and forth in and seeing it executed is different than hearing it or reading about it being executed. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, no question. Part of, part of what I'm, when I look at it, I'm like, maybe Carl could do a video on that and explain the basics <laughs> or maybe someone will lay out. Cause I read Adam's post. I'm like, man, the details all here, but I just, I'm not getting it from a, from a, at a glance. I'm going to have to read this carefully and try it. I don't have the time to, do that right now so yeah you know you know how it is next up war domo um and you can say exalted <laughs> yeah well i just i don't i don't know if that's the right answer um i i think it plays better than i would have expected with how crunchy it is um and I love that it has the systems for the social and all that stuff a little more fleshed out than some other games do. Um, I still fall back on my original love of the the storytellers. Well, it's still storyteller system, right? Exalted, but the World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness systems. Um, particularly, I, I really think they've done some great things with the second edition of the Chronicles of Darkness stuff. Um, I'm reserving my judgment on fifth ed vampire because I, I really haven't engaged with the system well yet. Um, but, uh, but I think, I think those systems that encourage narrative and encourage the players kind of adding to the narrative and not, and, and, and having mechanics that support um your character pursuing their own personal goals in addition to the plot goals. Uh, you know, Chronicles has that all the, that whole system of aspirations. Um, you know, the older World of Darkness stuff had kind of the virtue and vice system, uh, um, but the, but the aspirations encourage you to, you know, have things that you're striving to that that encourage the player to do something beyond just react. You know, to, to be proactive in, in 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 driving story, and I think that plays really well with play by post. Um, I'm not a fan of fifth edition personally. I, everybody go have fun. I I just I can't get into it. Um, I'll play it, but I, I just can't get into it. And I, I don't. I I feel like it doesn't play well, particularly in play by post, um, uh, unless you're really getting engaged with 
battle maps and things and I, I don't like doing that that much um so it's just not my jam um so so if, if i had to pick if i if i if gun to my head you asked me to pick a system i'll probably still pick exalted because because i'm i'm apparently uh, have stockholm syndrome uh with regard to it um but other than that i would probably play a, a world of darkness game and if you want to start a mage game please I, i've always wanted to play mage i've never played mage i have run two mage games because you don't have enough games going i've run two mage games the first one was mage the awakening so the first edition chronicles game and um we set it for reasons that made sense at the time in 16th century Moscow during the reign of Ivan the Terrible, <clears throat> or maybe it was Ivan the Third. Anyway, um, I really got engaged in that game as the GM, loved it, just dug deep into the history, created a, a wonderful setting, and then we kind of got lost in the uh had that happen in it was nobody else could really imagine beyond what i was typing what life in 16th century moscow was actually like <laughs> yeah it, it that's that's tough like i i couldn't tell you what i have no idea what 16th century russia is is like yeah so then um i ran a mage the ascension game set in las vegas ah uh, there you go and that one <laughs> a lot better but yeah maybe after six months or so the game just kind of a couple players left um had a hard time and so we just folded it eventually yeah that that's one of the things that i really love about the the, the modern settings of world of darkness is because everybody knows that setting for the most part you may not know the meta plot stuff but like you know las vegas you know, even if you've never, been, I've never been to Las Vegas, but like you've seen pictures, you've seen it in movies, you know, so you, you have a, a concept of what Vegas is, you know, versus, you know, if we're in Dragonlance, like, unless you've read those books, you don't really know, you know, um, so I, I, I have a hard, and, you know, Exalted, I know, because I've read every, I've, you know, we talked about having the, the thousands of dollars of, of source books, um, you know, I've read them all uh so i just have that but i can imagine it's hard for for new players to come in and be like wait there's how many pages of backstory on this um pass hard pass yeah. um so i found it hard so i ran a mage game back in about 2000 <clears throat> and it was in university and it was just a really great game just love the system i love the lore of mage more than any of the other games and then when I ran Mage the Awakening using the Chronicles, and for those who are unfamiliar, they basically just blew up the world and then uh, recreated it and said, okay, we're going to take the same ideas, but completely different war. And it wasn't compatible, right? And so I had a hard time unlearning everything. I struggled with that with, with Vampire the Requiem. I was like, wait a second. It's like kind of vampire the masquerade but not it has some terms but they're not the same yeah it, i really struggled with that yeah and you know mage the awakening had some brilliant concepts like the towers that exist in the other planes of existence and and that's the kind of stuff i just loved about mage was the 
reality bending and anyway. Yeah, I've always loved the concept of that game. I've just never had a chance to play it. Yeah. yeah. Next up, Bed Zone 2. It's going to be the same trap as which my favorite character, which is my favorite. Oh, that was so hard. I mean, of all the questions that, you know, we were talking about, it's another hard one. Ah, I don't know. I, again, can't choose too many children that I like. Uh, can't, can't have favorites. I think, um, yeah, too many criteria as well. I mean, do I just want to say D&D because, you know, it's been around forever. It's been there, you know, in my life through thick and thin. Systems horrible in some bits, but, you know, you've lived through it. The horrors of four, fourth ed. I know some people love it. Sorry. Um, uh, no, I, I can't choose. I think I think the, the ones that have stayed with me have stayed with me because um, you have found good experience in that system, right? And therefore, it always holds a soft spot in your heart. Some have been eminently forgettable, right? You tried to get into it, didn't really work out right never gone back to it somebody else is playing it you give it another try but mm, still doesn't work yeah. so more um more what has resonated what hasn't um uh, being in a, a again an older gamer yeah, relative term um i think the systems that have um run a long time so i appreciate while i hear all the criticisms about what here's another edition how could how dare you right but um the fact that some systems have gone forever mean that uh, there is a special place in my heart for them. I think if you ask me to answer the question, that's how I feel. In other words, some feel more transient because it's been a one-off. Could be a great core game, of course, right? But it's essentially a core game, two splat books, and they're done with their run. And, and you've played it, you feel great game, um, and you may have moved on. Right, but there are some mainstays, which is why I've mentioned D and D. Still, like I said, not I don't know if my it's my favorite, but it'll always be there. Uh, I think uh, I should name I should name the, the couple of classics, right? Um, Vampire and all its world of darkness stuff, right? It came out in the right time, you know. It's uh, the darkness of the eighties, right? And uh, every single splat book, I think I still have them somewhere. Right? Don't know if I'll ever read them again, but it's all right. It's it's in so it's in deep storage. Um, MacWarian Battletech, yeah, um, always special also because you get to play it as a computer game, right? Uh, well, so does DD, but yeah, that's that, yeah, these are the ones that immediately come to mind because they've been with me well, the whole life, really. I think that's that's a deciding factor. You think MechWarrior and Battletech, I'm sure they've been played on Gamers Plane. Yeah, I know. So, but nobody's playing them now. I think Battletech. So, no, I think because well, Battle, Hex, Hex. Yeah, and it and it's and it's a board game more more so. Yeah, it is a board Mech, game. Mech Warrior being the role playing game overlay yeah. on top of it, and mm. uh, and it wasn't a great role playing game, but it was good enough, mm. and and it integrated yeah. Battletech well. So, I think Mech Warrior is secondary to Battletech. I think right because as you as you rightly point out. In and of itself, it's not a it's not a great role playing game, right? but it works in the world of of BattleTech for sure. And it had that you know a neat mechanic that other games have picked up where if you fail a roll and you roll like a, oh yeah, I think it's like two d six, and if you roll snake eyes, then you mark a check yeah. by that skill, and that's how you level them up, right? By mm-hmm. critical failure. 
Yeah, yeah. 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 So that Shadowrun, um, again, right? it's got illustrious history. Again, the good and bad of the editions, but we're not here to talk about edition wars. Well, and I think you've been fairly fair with six edition, which has largely been panned. Yeah, as well. it's been panned, but I think there's some elegance in it yeah. that maintains some crunch. So maybe I'll throw up six ed again one day and see whether anybody else bites. Who knows? You probably would have done better if they had edited the book better. So yeah, I know. All bad. right, it was it it's created such a bad impression when it first came out, right? Because it was just riddled with error. Everybody's like, "This is terrible. We're not paying what." 30 bucks, 50 bucks for a core book. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they could have done better, sure. But that's the same problem with that new computer game, right? Cyberpunk 2077. Um, was it? Yeah, right. I think the game launched, it's an online game and, and you know, was riddled with error as well. You know, they, they felt like a beta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah, back to the question on um, favorites, dream games, um, games that have come with me um, the long way. Because, because you know, I'm, again, embarrassingly, I think um, RPGs have been a great part of my life more than some people have. <laughs> right in terms of relationships, it's it's an, it's a it's the curse of um, role playing gamers or storytellers or writers for that matter, right? Sometimes your creations are uh, more special to you than I'm, I'm sorry to admit, more special to you than sometimes real people in real scenarios because we live in a world up here. Yeah. But it is what it is, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's fair. Like everybody fair. talks about their their baby, right? And maybe it's, you know, the guy with his uh, special car that he's rebuilding in his, in his garage for years at a time or his boat or, uh, you know, their or your what have you. Hobbies can um, occupy us in, in very special ways. Mm. So oh, five hours sits there somewhere, I think. Legend of Five Rings, yeah, in my list. I'm not um, sure. I'm not sure what it is about L5R that makes it such a great system. It maybe is. It's, <laughs> maybe it's because of the the romance, and and I don't mean that in like um, like uh, Harlequin romances. I mean like mm. in, the, in the romantic period of fiction from the 16th yeah. or 1700s. You know, think about. Three Musketeers, or something like that, or Arthurian mythos. These yeah. are all classic romances, and L five R really, I think, captures that, adds that um, uniqueness of the samurai and mm -hmm. uh, Chinese dynasty setting that um, is just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what makes. I think. I think you hit the nail on the head when you use the word romance. It is exactly one of the best terms to use for a system like L5R. It was very much in the genre of romance, I think, right? You are, you are, you're supposed to see your characters, you're supposed to see your background, your story in that way. Right? You're playing for those sorts of stakes. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Here is skeptical stun. I wouldn't have the the experience to answer, honestly. I, I suspect the, the uh, less mechanical ones would work better. Just because more mechanical you get, the more transactions there are. But I like crunch. <laughs> like I, I like player choices. I like having to read through the rules and discovering that, like, oh, man, I get a bunch of crap to choose from that does all these crazy things. But I don't 
think that would probably work the best. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I want to put, try and play Pathfinder 2E one of these days or 1E where there's all this crazy stuff to choose from. Yeah. Well, I think my, my theory on this on Crunch is that Crunch is terrible to learn on play by post. Like if you were to, if you were to pick up um, what's, you know, like Rollmaster or something yeah, and, and just say, okay, like we're going to learn Rollmaster on play by post. Like you're, you're going to fail, right? This is just it's sure. too much, right? Playing it in real life is hard. And um, like I ran a Space Master campaign for two years and it's a really crunchy game, like just books of charts. And, um, but once you knew the game, it was, it played fast. It played well. It was, it was um, what, what the players wanted to do was obvious and they knew what to do. They just, you know, it, it didn't require a lot of looking things up because we got into the flow of it, but we got into the flow of it by playing the six or seven hour sessions, right? And rolling the dice and dropping and explaining the rules over and over again. Yeah. If we had to separate that over, you know, a year or six months of play by post, you never would have learned anything. Sure. I mean, even even the Deadlands game we're in, I read most of the Savage Worlds rules, like in the book cover to cover. I don't know why I like reading that crap, but I do. You'd think I'd dedicate that time for something useful. Nope. Reading pretend rules. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know how that game works. <laughs> you can't just read the rules and expect to get it. Like it, that's what serial killers do. Like who, who just gets the rules by under, by reading the book and getting it? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I'd agree. Like if if you told me right now that we were going to play some kind of Savage World spinoff, I'd be so lost for like the first year of play by post. Like I, it, and I I catch on rules quick normally. But doing it play by post would be tough. You'd have to, we'd have to re, redo a couple of different things, right? I have to end up asking that question, like, so what do I do now? About a hundred times. Yeah. Well, and you know, KCC is in my um, Savage Rifts game, so Rifts is just like Gonzo. You know, basically Earth in the future, four hundred years in the future. A bunch oh, of I remember inter this inter one. Interdimensional portals open up. Now you just got like crazy things all over the earth yeah it's like it it's essentially like hey do you want to play in whatever universe for tv show or book or movie or whatever savage rifts now you can be lord of the rings and star wars and harry potter and all of it yeah yeah so the um <clears throat> so you can be a wizard or you could be a you know a, a walking mech like a glitter boy <laughs> is like this giant powered armor and they've got this gun that's so big that it deafens everybody within 300 yards when it, <laughs> when it fires, right? <laughs> but it just fits on their shoulder. <clears throat> how much glitter do they have? Yeah. Not Robert Pattinson glitter, glitter, but, you know, they're pretty shiny. I literally watched that yesterday <laughs> at work. Like, a bunch of, like, type A Coast Guard dudes sitting around watching Twilight. It was something. <laughs> it was definitely something. Like if we're, I turn like I look up from my my the computer where I'm working at. I'm like, why are you guys watching this? And the guy that fronts like, shut up, it's great. I'm like, okay, man, whatever. <laughs> like I shout up from like, why is he glittering? 
because he's a vampire. Like, you didn't answer my question. Because he's a vampire. All right, man. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. That's, yeah. That disappoints me that Glitter Boy isn't like a male stripper mech. <laughs> he should be. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> Orc the pole, man. Yeah. So anyway, KCC is, he played this mage, um, uh, Leyline Walker. So, you know, Leyline is these magical conduits of energy that go around yeah. the world. And he's just more powerful. He's like a rock star if he's near a Leyline. Otherwise, he's just kind of like some guy. Anyway, uh, get into combat and some of the players are dropping like 12 rolls in their post, right? And he's God. like... <laughs> And he's like, uh, I make a spell casting check. Am, am I missing something? <laughs> like, no, no, you're okay. Yeah. You made a you made a complicated character, but it doesn't, you know, it's not like um you're running three actions and each action is a triple fire. So <clears throat> I mean, even even 5e does get that way sometimes. Like playing a monk or something, like just the rolls are just stacked up one after the other after the other. Then the next guy goes like, oh, I swung a sword and I missed next turn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. But yeah, the same thing. I've seen like running a game for new people in real life. There's that question where they're like, is that it? I'm like, I mean, you could move. You could just walk somewhere. That's all? Yeah, man, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's, yeah. I know playing 5e often I'll just be like completely shocked like a paladin smiting evil and critting or something and it's like your first level and he's like wipe he's like like I did 42 points of damage like what I'm like I got a I got a dagger like yeah <laughs> there's no there's way that weird, yeah it, literally that like you get these things like all right I got an action and a bonus action I'm gonna use my reaction to this other thing and I'm gonna run over there and the other guy's like Got a, got a sword and a mist, so I'm done, I guess. <laughs> I don't, don't want to move. <laughs> um, I'm good. <laughs> like, that's it's funny playing playing 5e. It's super frustrating because occasionally I'll get these big groups. My last real big group I had was 5e. There was eight people in that group, which I'll never play that many people again. It was awful. Because I was playing a barbarian. Like, it got around to my turn. I'm like, I swing. I do this much damage next turn. And they're like, ah. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, you've had 45 minutes to decide what you're going to do next. Why don't you know already? Like, you've got three spells and a dagger. Choose one. The guy's like, can I do a flying leap onto his back? I'm like, you're a wizard. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah I know yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just, just, just ranting a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Some games are pretty crunchy and they take a long time. You know, you don't ever see Mech Warrior played on, uh, on gamers playing. But we but, should. Yeah. I mean, Battletech <laughs> is just amazing, right? It's just the best game. But and Mech Warrior is the role playing, you know, supplement that goes on top of BattleTech. But I know we've played BattleTech, you know, in real life, and we sit down and we'd start drinking, right? And 
we would start a, we'd have a map and got our mechs on the map. And like five hours later, we finished that battle, right? That's a that long one battle. battle. One battle, right? And you're engaged the entire time. It's like, okay, well, what if I twist, you know, like one hex counterclockwise? Oh, is this is a thing where you get out a piece of string and you're like, yeah, yeah. No, that's not long enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, oh, line of sight. You can't see awesome. it. There's a tree in the way, right? Ah, so good. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. Like, I've seen people play this crap and I'm walking by and I'm like, I would love that <laughs> sort of thing. I don't have the time or the patience for it, but if I did, it would be awesome. Yeah. And now, anti-product. Like, just what set of mechanics have just seemed to work most seamlessly? Lots of stuff really seamlessly. I think that Tales from the Loop actually has been more uh, narrative friendly and easier to resolve than all the others. Because, you know, as soon as you, as you roll, you know that either you failed or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's my optimistic side. <laughs> But, um, and it's the fact that it's not complicated, really. I mean, there are shortcuts, for example, uh, in battles for uh, DMs to uh, post in advance the uh, target numbers that players have to pass yeah. so they know that they have a hit or, you know, to always roll your um, uh, attack and your damage at the same time. I mean, it took me a bit to um, to get used to it in the beginning. And again, it was uh, Fenrir that got me to the play-by-post mentality that you don't need to roll and then go back and edit your post and add description, you know, get something descriptive enough and roll everything you need. And then we see what goes on. Yeah. 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 Roll the damage in advance. If you don't hit, you can, the GM can ignore the damage roll. It's easy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't think that I've had any problem with games so far, I mean mechanically. The some systems some systems that are crunchier or more um, or more uh, not as uh, as common as others, but still it's not that hard really. I mean I do have uh, quite a few systems that I still want to try and even more seem to be adding up to the pile. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I downloaded two, two new games in the last two days, both of which I'm keen to try. 
The first one is called Against the Dark Master. So this is a this is a game based upon Middle Earth Middle Middle Earth role playing, which later became Role Master in the '80s. So it's a really really crunchy system, and I think Against the Dark Master has streamlined it a bit. So I'm interested in how that happens. Um, but I just love that game, love that system. Um, the other one is uh, well, I don't know if I'll run it or play it, but that Weirlock one we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, when it's pay what you want and you can put zero in, it certainly gives you the uh, the benefit of <clears throat> trying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly my uh, my way of thinking as well. Yeah. Yeah. The only problem that I found for me is that I I'm not uh, I haven't been GMing for years or anything is the uh, lack of uh, content for it. I mean, I've tried even I've searched for any uh, even uh, video reviews about it or anything really or adventures maybe that could give me an example of how you craft a story about with this system. Yeah. Or example play, but I didn't got any. So yeah, until someone helps me make make it simple to me, I'm a bit stuck with rereading it over yeah. and over. Yeah, and that's probably one of those things where a GM develops tools in their toolbox. And so when you come across a new system, it's easier to think about how you might turn this into a game without the examples. But in those first few forays, that's an age-old problem that goes right back to the earliest days of D&D is you're 12 years old, you go to the, you go to the bookstore and you buy, you know, your, uh, this role-playing book that looks good, you take it home and you're like, now what? Like, you've got a book. Like, how, do, how does this turn into fun? <laughs> and without being led through... Like, like my experience with a third edition starter box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you... Now these days, people can watch actual plays on YouTube and you can just see people gaming. It doesn't even have to be the same game. You just see people gaming and a whole bunch of things suddenly make sense, right? I, I've, I've been teaching Supernatural to some, some people who have never really gamed before. And we play, we tried D&D, we tried Pathfinder first, then we tried D&D 5th edition. They seem to be getting it. But when we were, the first time I ran Supernatural, I said, just put your character sheet down, put your dice away. We're not going to roll or do anything. We're just going to role play, right? The whole adventure is just going to be us talking and let's just talk about your characters. And I think that really nailed it down that if you're playing a normal game like Monopoly, you've got a set of choices and those choices are maybe on an instruction card. And if you look at a character sheet, like an instruction card of what you're going to do, you miss a whole bunch of it, right? Which is just this free form role play. And here's White Knight. I think Savage Worlds is probably the easiest to run play by post. 
I don't know whether that's because it's the easiest for people to get into because it's such a simple mechanic or if the simplicity of the mechanics is what makes it easy to run. But I think that's probably the easiest game to run. Um, that being said, I've run a lot of different games. I've tried running Top Secret. Uh, that game fell apart, unfortunately. The players just couldn't get into it. Um, like the original, but, the original Top Secret? Yeah, the original Top Secret. I love the original Top Secret. Yeah. That was that was my favorite game growing up. I only played it once, and it was a pre-can mod module set at the uh, Sarajevo Olympics. Mm. <clears throat> I love the hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat rules in it. That was what attracted me to the game at first, and then I just fell in love with it. So what, what do you think um, made the rule, the game fall apart? Just you said the players just didn't engage with it? They weren't engaging with it. Um, one of the players was inconsistently posting. One of the players wanted things to go faster and one wanted things to go slower and we just couldn't find a happy medium. Have you played um, GURPS on play-by-post? Oh, yes. Does it work well? Or is it It just... works better on play-by-post than it does on, on live action. Really? I think so. Uh, because like you said earlier, I don't have to memorize all the rules for play-by-post. I can go and look them up. Yeah. Whereas in a face-to-face -face game, I have to make snap decisions because I can't remember a rule or I can't find it somewhere. Yeah. That's interesting. GURPS is a game that I accidentally bought a GURPS book many years ago, thinking it was a Vampire the Masquerade book, but it was actually just GURPS vampire rules, because they, yeah. they, they did that a lot. It's like, you like Vampire the Masquerade? Well, here's some GURPS rules for it. So I accidentally bought one, ended up not being that useful for my vampire game. <laughs> but I've never actually played GURPS, so that's something I'm, something I'm going to try and do this year. GURPS is very realistic. Uh, they're all about realism. And I tell my players in my Wednesday night games, if you get into a firefight, chances are one of you is going to get seriously injured. Because it, you can play it less lethally. But if you play it as written, it can be very lethal very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Usagi Ojimbo is like that. Not in that it's a realistic game. You're playing anthropomorphic animals, but the combat system is just deadly, right? You can be one shot fairly easily. <clears throat> you're, you're, in the, you're in a samurai battle. You both have swords. One of you might die, like in the first blow. It's just, that can happen, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I can see that happening in GURPS. <clears throat> uh, you know, a, a well-placed sword blow can take your arm off and then you bleed to death. Yeah. And clearly in Savage Worlds, that can happen as well with exploding dice. I mean, yes, you, uh, yes, my wife loves the exploding dice mechanic of Savage Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, often think it'd be fun to take favorite mechanics from different games, like um, Advantage in D&D 5th Edition, exploding dice from L5R or from Savage Worlds, and just kind of build some kind of monster game that has all the best experiences that would be an interesting experiment i would be open to trying that on gamers plan as a matter of fact we could uh look at setting up a forum for that maybe yeah 
that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, okay, so. Well, thank you everybody who joined me on this episode of Gamers Explain and this fascinating discussion of what systems work best on PlayWebhost. And as Harrigan said, there's probably not a single answer that satisfies every game, but there is a conversation to be had and walking through why some games work better on play by post than others uh, is good to think about. There are advantages and disadvantages to some games. So I'm looking forward to actually playing GURPS. I'm now in a GURPS game as of the recording of this exit intro bit. So um, I'm not sure that GURPS will satisfy the best role-playing game for play-by-post, but the search continues, and I suspect it'll never end. This is Crawluck and Gamers Explain. Please hit like and subscribe if you'd like to see more of this excellent content. I'll see you next week.